Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Welcome back, everybody. Bob Stoffer, Brennan S. Scott with you, along with Derek Scott. This is Oilers Now, where guests receive guest certificates to Roos Chris Steakhouse. Whether you're celebrating a special moment or simply savoring the night in the town, every meal is an occasion at Roos Chris Steakhouse, 9990 Jasper Avenue. Open Wednesday through Sunday from 5 until 10 p.m. Tell Brennan and Chris that Oilers Now sent you. As we head off to the River Cree Resort Casino Hotline. And welcome back, Sportsnet Color Analyst Louis DeBrus for GCL Diesel, providing genuine diesel parts and turbochargers at great prices since 1972. GCLDiesel.com. Hey, Louis, is this what we tell everybody about the Jake DeBrus trade to Edmonton? I'm just kidding. How you doing? Louis, are you there? How are you doing, man? Good. How you doing? Just got in the truck or what? Just you got my dog out of here. Sorry, bud. You got Tampa with you? Hey, Tampa, what's going on? <laughs> he's, he's always with me. He's always with you. <laughs> well, Sorry, bud. Just had to uh, clear the truck out. How you doing? Good. Let's, uh, let's do this. While we have an opportunity, uh, let's go to our top story for legacy heating and cooling. Whether it's heating or cooling you need, get it with no payments and no interest for a year. That's how you build a legacy, legacy heating and cooling. Louie, uh, you just worked the Rangers and Tampa. You got Tampa in the truck with you right now. Of course, you played in Tampa. And uh, last night, Colorado winning in overtime against Tampa Bay in game one of the Stanley Cup final. Uh, your thoughts on what we saw last night between those two teams? Well, kind of as advertised, right? I thought it was going to be exactly kind of what happened, to be uh, completely honest. I, I was lucky enough to cover both the teams in the playoffs going into the final round, and I knew the Avalanche were going to come out explosive, as they've done in every series this year. Um, they've come out and just pounced on teams early on. They did the exact same thing to the Tampa Bay Lightning. They're one of the most, if not the most, explosive team in the league. But then what you kind of figured what happened is the Tampa Bay Lightning stabilized, and they started to find scoring. They started to grind it out. They're a team that can play on their heels pretty well. They're a very good defending team. They have the best goaltender in the league, and they rely on him heavily. But you know what? Listen, I thought it was a great game. I thought it was an awesome game, number one. I think it's a real sign of how this series is going to go. I think the Lightning will stabilize more. The one thing they've been able to do in the last three years, and, you know, for – 11 series so far have been able to figure a team out and deploy what they need to to win a series. Uh, It was kind of the same one in the Rangers series. The New York Rangers were up 2-0 in that series, back into Tampa, uh, critical, crucial game number three, and the Tampa Bay Lightning made adjustments, and the adjustments worked, and they didn't change those adjustments for the rest of the series, and they won four straight and won the series against a very good young New York Ranger team. So the Avalanche are a different animal, though, no question about it. But uh, I'm looking forward to this one. I think it's going to be a great series all through and through. I think it's going to be that type of hockey for six or seven games, in my opinion. So you did uh, Colorado-St. Louis, and then you did Tampa Bay and the Rangers. Do you think the guys in Tampa are at all unnerved by the fact that they lost game one in overtime? Not at all. Me neither. I mean, they'll be choked. I mean, they're a competitive bunch. That's the one thing and you know, you learn about a team is just their desire to win and what they'll, what they'll go through to win. Um and any championship team, when you look at that, if you listen to the guys that have won championships and have won multiple times, 
Um, I always listen, and, and I always remember the story of the Oilers when they walked down the hallway, you know, in 83 when they, lost, when they lost to the New York Islanders, and they looked in that room and they expected it to be champagne bottles and everybody, you know, just hooping and hollering, and really it was a bunch of guys with ice packs on, and, you know, that had absolutely been through a grind of their lifetime, and, you know, what a fabulous team that was. And I think it was a real indication to the Oilers that that was the way they needed to play. And look what they did. They went out and won five Stanley Cups in seven years. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm look, I was looking forward to this when it turned out that it was going to be the Avalanche versus Tampa Bay. You've got the defending Stanley Cup champions back-to-back. Lots of storylines there. We know all about the Lightning. And the Avalanche are that team. They're the Oilers in this scenario. They're the Oilers trying to chop off a team that, you know, is trying to be a dynasty. Yeah, well, it's it's not going to be easy. Tampa Bay's got a great chin. Uh, I know we like to have fun uh, with some of the Maple Leafs fans out there, but the reality is Toronto had them on the ropes, and they pulled themselves off the ropes and, you know, won the critical games, and uh, the Rangers had them in trouble, uh, and, and they showed their chin again, and part of it is goaltending. And, oh. you know, Louis, as, as a guy who broadcasts the Oilers Colorado series, I'm going to tell you right now that if Edmonton had had Shesterkin or Vasilevsky, it would have been 2-2 after the first two games, or after the first four games. Like that, Edmonton would have won a couple of those games, and that's no disrespect to Mike Smith. That's just how good Vasilevsky and Shesterkin are. Um, and I'm going to be really intrigued to see how Darcy Camp, because I know Tampa Bay has another gear to get to, and the one thing they have is they got a goalie that when the money is on the line, that guy's damn near in, uh, unbeatable. He really is, and uh, they put up a great graphic last night, too, and and, you know, it's something that we were aware of in our series. He gets better as the series goes on. That's the thing. He seems to figure out teams as well. That's, I think as the team adjusts in front of him and give him uh, more common shots, I want to say, shots from specific areas instead of giving up great A's, they're not a team that really give you a lot. You know, it's, it's impressive. And I know that we've talked a lot about the Lightning, the scores, Braden Point, how he scored in the playoffs, and he's only going to get better in the series. Um, you know, Victor Hedman, potentially, arguably the best defenseman in the game. Cal McCarr is certainly the young buck, and he's the guy that everybody loves right now with the way he plays the game. And why wouldn't you? Because he's fantastic to watch. But, you know, they have it all. They have the superstar in Kucherov, the 60-goal scorer in Stamkos, who's had a career year this year in points. You know, so... They have so many different pieces, and they're a great team. They really are. But they do have the best goaltender in the league, and Vasilevsky gives them a chance every night. For him to give up three like he did in the first period, he didn't give up another one until overtime. You know, that's you know that's kind of what he does, though. Once he settles in, once he figures things out, uh, it's incredible how the numbers just improve throughout uh, a series for him. And it was the same against the Rangers in the series we did. They let him up for six in game one. They let him up for six. And... You know, how'd they do in the final four? They got three goals. Yep. Like, it was incredible. You know, and if you look at games when his back's up against the wall and games where he has a chance to eliminate the opponent, he's even better. His numbers are incredible. But, you know, I think that this is the toughest team that the Avalanche have faced. This is the toughest goaltender they face, no question about that. And good on them for finding a way to win game one after, you know, relinquishing a lead against a team that once they come back, usually find a way to win. They close the door and, you know, beautiful pass by Nachushkin. I'll tell you, this guy is a story. He's an amazing story. First rounder to Dallas, came in, looked like he was going to be one of those big power forwards that could score, struggled immensely, 
went away for a while, came back, and just has redefined his game. Um, excellent work ethic. And I know that Jared Bednar, when we were covering the Avalanche in round two, said that this guy, um, any line he puts him on, he makes the line better. That's a great compliment for a coach to give any player. And um, beautiful pass. He sold it. Vasilevsky had no chance on that one. All right, you brought up Nachushkin, and this gives us an opportunity to transition. The show is called Oilers now. We had a lot of debate in the last round when Edmonton was playing Colorado, looking at Nachushkin, yep. who did not score a goal in 91 games, including 57 in a season with the Dallas Stars. Okay, we had a lot of debate on the comparables between Nachushkin, a six-foot-four winger, and Yasapoliarvi, a six-foot-four winger. What to do with Yasapoliarvi? This text comes in, Louis. Bob and Louie, Pogliarvi had a tough offensive season with injury, illness, and COVID, but defensively he remained responsible. His skating took a hit along with his confidence. I believe Jesse should get another season with the Oilers. I certainly wouldn't rush to trade him because there's a really good player here, in my opinion. That text comes in. So, and we're going to talk about this a little bit later on when we open up the phone lines. Like, what do the Oilers do with Yasa Pogliarvi? The Oilers have got some balls in the air, Louie. Uh, Elliot Friedman reporting that Ken Holland is given a July 1st drop-dead date. Are you going to retire or not to Duncan Keith and to uh, Mike Smith? My guess is 70-30, Keith comes back and plays another year, final year of his deal, albeit at just $1.5 million in real dollars. Uh, Mike Smith, three injuries in one year. I mean, to me, he's a guy that could end up going on LTIR just because of the age. But yes, so Pogliarvi is going to be another one of those storylines we're going to watch, Louie. Where is your headspace at with Pogliarvi? I think first and foremost, it's going to be contract. That's going to, you know, right off the bat, that's going to be the number one thing. What can you get him signed for if you're going to bring him back, if you intend to bring him back? There was a lot of discussion earlier in the year at a price point that I don't think is realistic now for Yessa Pugliarvi. Um, And that's something that Ken Holland and the management group in in Edmonton is going to have to figure out with him. I'd have no problem with giving him another opportunity, but it would have to be at a price point that obviously benefits the Oilers. And then if he proves himself and it's, you know, somewhere where he takes another step, uh, then then you can talk about a long-term deal. Um, He did struggle, you know, but it's, you know, the thing that bothers me about it or concerns me about it is the fact that he struggled with very elite players. Now, it's not always easy to play with those elite players. I understand that. It's a different animal. It really is. But he was thrown around with some pretty intelligent, smart centermen, and it, you know, he just didn't take off the way you would expect him to take off. Now, maybe he wasn't ready for it. Maybe that's something that we're overlooking there, is that he just wasn't ready for that opportunity. Early in the year, it looked like he was. He came out like gangbusters and just... Yeah, he, he had an assertiveness to his game that he lost. And I agree. I do believe that was confidence. And I can tell you that does happen to players. No question about it. You lose your confidence. You lose that mojo. There's other things that could be involved there, too. Just, you know, relationships, how he meshes with certain people, the way he thinks the game. Is he a cerebral player? Is he more of a north and south guy? You know, for me, that would be the one thing. I think hockey IQ is certainly part of playing with any great player. You have to have that. You have to be uh, a player that can anticipate and make sure you're in the right position at the right time, which is not easy to do. Not everybody has that skill. 
Um, I'm still 50-50 on whether Yessa has that skill, to be honest with you, Bob. But I do know he's a big power forward. I agree with you in that regard. Can he be a third-line guy that is just really forceful and a dominating presence in a matchup role that's going to score you 15 goals in a breakout year, maybe score you 20 in that role? Because those are valuable players in the league right now. Those are very, very valuable players that can elevate and jump up the lineup and play in line two and three um, if need be with injuries and situations if a coach wants to shake things up. But you're a designated third-line guy where, you know what, you're a matchup that other teams don't like very much. And that's where I see him right now slotting in. Is he okay with that, though? Now, that's the other question. What's the perception of the player's ability in his own mind? Where does he feel he is? Because I do feel, and this is just something that I – you know, have picked up over the years here in Edmonton that I feel he believes he's a top six guy. I believe that's oh, yeah. what his mentality is, right? So when you're a really high pick like Yessa is, it's really hard to check that at the door. It's hard to say, you know what, I'm not that player anymore. Or I'm never going to be that player. Which, to be honest with you, Bob, I would say 80% of the top picks don't turn out to be. You know, they usually fall into that middle nine, middle six, sorry, you know, in the, the top nine, let's say. Um, it's very difficult to maintain a top six role in the NHL. It truly is. You're an elite player if you're in a top six role consistently on a regular basis year after year after year. It's very difficult. You have to be an elite player. He, he showed signs of it. I'll, I'll agree with that. He showed little spurts where he was excellent there and he was, you know, Unbelievable on the forecheck. He was disrupting. He was physical. He created a ton of turnovers. He got away from that. And the fact that he started to get off balance again was a concern for me because that was the thing that plagued him early in his career. He had a little trouble playing at that speed for a long period of time. He had a little bit of trouble staying balanced in situations. Seemed like he was getting handcuffed with the puck a lot of times because he was too spread out, maybe too straight-legged. Little things like that started to creep back into it. I thought he kind of dealt with it, and that's something he's going to have to adjust to and get better at again because when he does, um, there's a player there, no question about it. There's a player there. Uh, I still think, though, that we're we're wondering what type of a player he is going to be on a consistent basis. And uh, one more year, though, I'd have no problem with it, even a two-year deal as long as the price point is correct. All right, and so here's where I, I – I, Part of me is I can't believe we're still having this conversation on this guy, and I'll tell you why, Louie. Well, the first the first time we went to Seattle this year, so to start the year in the Oilers' first 22 games, yes, Apolliarvi had seven goals, 18 points. He was plus eight, so he had like he had a great start to the year. Like he was 100%. fourth on he was yep. fourth on the team in scoring, and yep. my argument was on a lot of nights he was their third or fourth best forward behind Drysaddle and McDavid. And so for him to get six goals in the final 51 games of the season, I mean, I didn't see this coming. I thought he was tracking and trending the right way. So I'm I'm kind of down the middle. Like, I would be completely yeah, comfortable. I agree. Like, I agree. I'd be I'm like, in the middle too, Bob. And I think that's kind of – maybe we're expecting too much too soon from Yessa. You know, that's kind of what I'm – I think we did certainly in the first ticket to can in the NHL for him. He came in young. He still hadn't filled out, still have, hadn't found his strength in his body. Yeah. Um, listen, players struggle. I had a kid that struggled too. I, I understand it. I understand you can lose your confidence. You can get into a bad stretch. Um, that doesn't mean you're not a great hockey player and can't turn out to be an excellent hockey player. You just have to figure it out. And, you know, I think Yes has figured that out before. He went away. He came back better. I think this is a really important offseason for him, though. And I think that if he does come back, 
Um, you know, I'm completely with you as being down the middle. Where is he at? There's a question mark there. There is. But you never know how a player is going to turn out. And Nichushkin is a great example. There's a player that went away and came back, and he has been a force for the Avalanche and this year. And I think really, yeah. you know, and he's been a force in the playoffs when it's, when it's meant the most. And that's the thing for me with Nachushkin, right? When I sit there, that's I'm going, is Jesse Poliarvi a guy that, uh, and I'm just going to, and you mentioned Jake, because Jake had almost, the, he had almost the opposite season, right? He had almost yep. the opposite season of, yes, a Poliarvi, where Poliarvi had let's 18. Let's be clear there, though. Let's, let's be clear there, though. He had he had a bad half a season. Yeah, right. <laughs> it, was, it was 41 games. But and but here's the thing, I would I would tell you that it's up to the player though, and I'm going to really emphasize that it's up to the player to kind of dig in and make those changes, and I and I mean that in Nichushkin's case as well. Like when I when I look at Nichushkin and from what I've heard from him, and from what I've heard coaches say about him, this guy came in and and I think yes, I did too at the start of the year. I agree with you. The, uh, the yes that we saw at the start of the year now, and like I said, that's a very hard thing to do consistently for 82 games you're never going to do it but you can't have lapses of 20 or plus more games you have to kind of be able to reel that back in within a few games yeah and it's about the intangibles intangibles it's about the work ethic the forecheck all those things sometimes when things aren't going your way especially for players that are used to being top players and offensive which all three players we're talking about are then the frustration creeps in you start to lose your confidence, and you start to get away from the things that made you successful in the first place at times. And it's really, really tough to see that. It's really, really hard to kind of reel that back in mentally. Um, that'll be the key for Yessa this, yeah. this offseason, is bringing that back and saying to himself, okay, you know what? If I look at parts of the season, I was pretty darn good. I need to figure out what I was doing in those stretches that made me successful, and I need to duplicate that and replicate that over and over and over again. And that's what good players do. That's, whenever we talk about great players in this league, and I'll, I'll take the best right now, Connor McDavid. What is it about Connor that makes him great? Now, I know he's ungodly skilled, <laughs> ungodly fast, all of that above. But there's a work ethic and a yeah, drive 100%. every single day, every day. And we are lucky to watch it. Honestly, I watch it every day. And I sit in practice. It's, it's, yeah, you and I giggle. We sit there and giggle and laugh and go, you know, like, you don't have to figure out who well, he he's going to make everybody every else better that comes after. That. Yeah, absolutely. Everybody else sees that on a daily basis and elevates that, 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 you know, that line every single day and that's all that's what it's all about it's about bringing that every single day and you know some days it's going to be a tough day at work some days you're going to have nothing's going to bounce your way and that's just part of it just like everybody in every walk of life has tough days at work but the, the consistency that you bring to the table will bring that to a point that's you know hopefully where you want to go Louis, we got to run. I'm going to leave you with this. Final 60 games of the year. Pasternak, 33 goals. Marchand, 23 yeah. goals. DeBrusque, 22 goals. People forget that. Oh, by the way, Hall and Bergeron, who finished with fewer goals, ended up with uh, more power play time and each had five power play goals and Jake had three. So Jake basically did it at even strength, which showed how good his uh, you know, final three quarters of the year was. Hey, thanks for your time, Lou Dog. Sounds good, Bobby. Take care. You bet. It is 12.53 in Edmonton. Back with NHL Today for Elite Promotional Marketing with Brendan Escott when we return. A reminder, all 
season-long the Oilers Now Injury Report is presented by James H. Brown Injury Lawyers. Unrivaled experience, unrivaled commitment, unrivaled results. Uh, Trent Brown and the gang of James H. Brown, they'll be at the Elks Encounter coming up Saturday night. Brendan Escott's going to have the pre and post of those broadcasts. And Brendan Escott's going to join us right now for NHL Today, which is presented daily on Oilers Now by Elite Promotional Marketing. Your local branded merchandising specialist. Head to ElitePromoMarketing.com. First of all, Brendan, what time is uh, the pregame show for the Elks Encounter Saturday? Uh, 5.30 Saturday evening, 7 o'clock game time. With uh, Morley Scott and uh, Dave Campbell and Blake Dermott and Brendan and company. All right, Brendan, bring it. What do we got for NHL today? Colorado scored three first-period goals, but it ultimately took overtime for them to knock off Tampa in Game 1 of the Stanley Cup Final. Game 2 tomorrow night at 6 on 6.30, Chad. Uh, Next season will open on October 11th. The team, uh, the league rather, did announce that today. Full schedule coming out in July. Stanley Cup won't be traveling to Russia or Belarus this summer and instead... The players on the winning team of that nationality will have to wait until after this uh, geopolitical situation has changed. And the Memorial Cup does start next Monday in St. John, New Brunswick. Hamilton beat Windsor in the OHL final last night, 6-1, to punch their ticket. So the host Sea Dogs welcome in. The Oil Kings, of course, Hamilton and uh, Shawinigan as well. Here's what we're going to do. It's 12.57 in Edmonton. We are going to open up the River Cree Resort and Casino Hotline at uh, 1.05 today. We're going to talk about, uh, I think we should hit on yes to Paul Yarvey. What would you do if you were in Ken Holland's shoes involving Paul Yarvey? Uh, do you maybe do another short-term deal? Uh, or is it time to punt? Uh, time to make a trade? Uh, or conversely, do you do a long-term deal? And uh, there we go. Uh, text us at 780-496-0063. This text comes in from Big Al. He says, if any coach can uh, take Jesse into the future, it's Jay Woodcroft. Uh, I'm really convinced he needs another season in Edmonton, but as Louis said, the contract is everything. Thanks. That one comes to us from Big Al. We'll get your thoughts on Pulley and all things Oilers when we return after a global news weather traffic update with Kevin Robertson. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon. On Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.